0: How are we doing this morning? Doing well? Good, good, good. Glad to be in church on Sunday morning. You can find your place in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 1. We'll get there eventually. Um, Let's open up in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. That your presence is here, your anointing is here, Father, to break the yoke, to provide light and revelation to us, to give us wisdom and understanding of your word, that we can live more for you, live more effective for you, and, and further the kingdom in the ways that you want, Father God. And we thank you that you can give us next steps and guidance on how to do that, and give us the grace to perform. And we thank you for it this morning, and thank you continually for the truth of your word that is the light to our path. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, Today I want to get into the uh, topic of self-examination. It's an important thing that we have to do all the time as believers uh, because we live in a world, but we're not of a world. Amen. And we are exposed to things constantly um, that are not, should not be the way that we believe and think about According to the Word of God, or don't don't coincide with the way that we're supposed to live as believers. So we constantly need to, and should not not. A lot of believers don't, but we constantly need to and should check in on ourselves. Um, and because I mean, we we all have usually have at least a couple people we can go to to help us with that <laughs> process. Uh, but our us doing it to ourselves is the most important thing um, because it, it does one of two things a it pinpoints you hopefully if you're being honest with yourself and number two it helps you develop that ability to be honest with yourself uh... you ever lied to yourself uh... i have uh... many times about many subjects um, and it's coping and you know all the rest of that stuff um, but you have to be honest with yourself and, and raw when it comes to self-examination as a believer because that's, that's how you're going to improve um, because the Holy Spirit can talk to you all he wants you don't have to listen but when you get honest with yourself and say look hey uh, we're in a bad spot uh, and it's my fault and, and here's, here's what I need to do to make changes it's a good place it doesn't feel good but it's a good place to be at because then that opens the doors for you to make changes in your life. Uh, We live in a day and time where nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. It's always somebody or something else's fault. And the first thing that a lot of people, they don't realize because they don't spend the time to think about it, but the first thing that does is it removes agency from you. If it's something else's fault or somebody else's fault, you can't do anything about that. And so you are now powerless in whatever situation you view that as, and it completely removes any ability from you to make any changes at all. I mean, if if it's Pastor Nid's fault that my life's garbage, I can't do anything about that. She's got to do something about it. Well, that's not the case. It's just not the case. The devil wants everyone to believe that's the way that it is. That's why we've got people calling words um, harm and, and violence and all the rest of this stuff. Why? Because it's always somebody else's fault. It's not my feelings that I wear on my sleeve. That's the problem. It's the other person. It's the words. It's, it's my weak emotions and weak will that I can't stand up to something somebody else says about me or to me that I can't just look at that and go, what? What? You just said words at me. What's the big deal? But no, we don't live in a world like that anymore. Now it's the end of everything when somebody goes against what I say and what I believe. Because they've lost the ability to self-examine and realize that's a stupid way to live your life. Yeah, exactly. You will never get anywhere if you take everything somebody else says as direct confrontation to who you are. That you're going to have a very bad time. Because i and I tell my kids this all the time, people are not nice. and They don't ever get nice. <laughs> I mean, you deal with kid. they deal with other kids at school and stuff and kids aren't nice, kids are brutal. That doesn't change. It just, when you get older, you just develop the ability to go, hmm, maybe I shouldn't say that right now. That's the only thing that changes. A lot of people don't listen to that. I'm sure you're aware of that. Many people don't even engage that part of their brain. They're like, I'm just going to, whatever I think is going to fly out of my mouth. And now, words are violence. So it's like, oh, well, we've got all these people falling down all over the place after somebody says something mean to them. It's like you can't. It doesn't work that way. And as a believer, we can't, we cannot live our lives that way because Jesus straight up said, you I was persecuted. You will be persecuted. And if words are going to hurt me, we have a serious problem. And self-examination is the only thing that fixes that because I'm the only one that can make the change that has to take place for that to be different. I have to look at myself and go, I've, I've got to be tougher <laughs> I've got to be able to stand up to, to words that I deem offensive or that hurt my feelings. Number one, they shouldn't hurt my feelings because they're just words. Yeah, you got to be a little tougher. And I've been in situations where people have said some very unkind things. Unkind and true, which is a double-edged sword. <laughs> Those are the really not good ones, yeah. the unkind and true. Those really hurt. But at the same time, you've got to be able to pick yourself up off and dust off and keep going. You can't just lie there in a ball on the floor and cry for 30 days. I mean, you can't, you can't live your life like that. Because we see, we see people, nothing ever gets done. They don't ever change. They don't ever develop. They don't ever grow in any m- m- noticeable way when they live their lives like that. Because hardship, as we know, hardship is part of life. You're going to have a hard time. The, the fact of the matter is, is can I walk through that and come out the other side of it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the furnace. They didn't, The angels didn't come down and shut the furnace door and keep them out. They got thrown in. That's a tough time. But they came out. The other side. That's the whole point. And that's that's how we have to live our lives as believers is we got to realize that sometimes I'm going to have a tough time. And I've got to take responsibility for myself to sit down with myself and my own thoughts in quiet. I know that's a novel idea for most people. Nothing else going on. And just sit there and look at myself in the mirror, as it were, and say, look. We've got some problems that need to be addressed, and I'm the one that has to address them. Because what a lot of people, what a lot of people want to happen, believers especially, is they want to see a thing and, and it's 180 and we're going the other way. That's not how it works. You can't fix everything that's wrong with you in the blink of an eye. It would be really nice, I know, but that's, that's not the way that it goes. It's like a ship. You make a correction. Well, that ship isn't turning on a dime. It's you have now moving this way, and now you're moving this way, and you're slowly turning around. That's what the idea of repentance is. Unless we're talking about sin, in which case you better make a 180. (laughs) But generally speaking, the changes are gradual. You keep with repentance until the bearing of fruit. Which means you've got to keep self-examining, keep looking at yourself so that we changes can be made and things can improve. And specifically what I want to talk about this morning with self-examination is our motives, our motivations for the things that we do. Because we're called, we're told in the Word of God exactly what our motivations should be for almost everything that we do. Paul and Jesus both talk about the love of men growing cold. They both mention that in those terms, that the love of men grows cold. Well, why would love, the love of men, grow cold? Because they're turning their love inwards instead of turning their love outward. That's the only reason love grows cold is it stops going out and it's turned inward instead. I love, I love me too much to love you. So I've only got so much love, and right now it's all on me. So all the rest of this love is going to get awfully cold out here. Well, that's that's what happens. Paul even says that too. He says men will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Well, why? Exactly why he said They're, they are too attached to themselves to have time for anything else. And it's, I mean we can look around at the world with an eye to that and see that's exactly what's happening. Exactly what's happening. We are too attuned to me, me, me to worry about anybody else. And as believers, we can't afford to do that because our God has called us and he, he is love. And his concern is People. His heart is towards people. He wants them all. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what they say, what they believe, what they look like, it does not matter. He wants them all. Which means as representatives of his, as his body, we should want the same. Which means nobody's, nobody's out of bounds. Nobody's too far gone. Nobody's disqualified for any reason. We all that we show love to them all. Because that's what God does. And I didn't say it was going to be easy or fun. But it's still what we're called to do. Because I don't, I don't want to be part of the group where my love grows cold. Because that's not what... The love of God is what draws people to repentance. Isn't that what the Word of God says? And His love isn't just waxing on the earth, coming from heaven. It's coming through us. It's coming through his body on the earth. So if anybody is going to experience the love of God and be drawn to repentance, it's going to have to come through us. So we can't afford to grow cold in that. Which means we've got to be awfully careful that we're not turning our sight inwards towards ourselves. And that's what I want to get into this morning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Because Jesus talks about this in depth throughout this, what's called the Sermon on the Mount. He says here, he says, Take heed that you, do not your, that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. And he makes this point about charitable deeds, but he talks about many things in the same context. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about giving. He talks about all these things in this same context that you shouldn't be doing it before other men. Now, he's not saying that you need to be like a secret agent man and go around and do all your stuff so nobody sees you. That's not the point he's making. The point he's making is the motive for you doing what you're doing should not be to be seen by people. That shouldn't be the driving force behind, because we know lots of people that do that. There are Lots of believers that do the same thing, that they do what they do to be seen by others. Why they do that? There's lots of reasons. But the, the very base level of it is they're selfish. They want something for themselves out of that transaction. Whether it be, you know, recognition, whether it be power, whether it be some kind of financial gain, Um, It could be a social need. There's lots of people that need that. Um, They they have some self-esteem issues and they need people to see them doing good. So people will, oh, you're such a good person and talk about them in nice terms and give. There are people that need that. Well, I understand that from a perspective of there are lots of people that have bad self-esteem. That's still very selfish. As far as God's concerned, that's not the motive that you should be doing the good deeds. The deeds that we do as a believer, there's two motivations. God told you to do it and love for other people. Those are the motivations. Those are the only motivations that should be there. (laughs) We are are here to please the Father. That's, That's our whole reason to be here. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, we're supposed to do God's will. Well, yes, that's wrapped up in pleasing the Father. If if we are living our lives to please God, then all the rest of that gets wrapped up in it. Because you'll automatically want to do His will because you want to please Him. You may automatically do what He says because you want to please Him. You'll automatically ch- do your very best to strive by the Word of God. Why? Because you want to please Him. So all of those things get wrapped up in the wanting to please God. So we have to examine our motives for what we do. We can't look at, we can't do the things that we do for our own profit. It's not about me. Because that's that's the way the world is going. It's all about me. You've offended me. You've hurt my feelings. You've done something wrong to me. Well, what does that matter? If somebody wrongs me, what, what, in the long run, what does that matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. When, when, I, when you take offense, and be notice very much those words, take offense, you've, good music choice, you've, you take offense, you've made a choice to grab that thing and take it to yourself. That's a decision. When you get offended, you choose to do that. You don't have to do that. And, and there's, there's a very good reason why those words get mixed up. Oh, you made me angry. That's not true. Nobody made you angry. You chose to get angry. You didn't have to. You chose to, or I chose to. But those words get mixed up on purpose. Why? Because it's their fault. It's not my fault I got mad. It's obviously their fault. I mean, come on, let's be honest. We all saw what happened. It doesn't matter. You have a choice to make. And people don't look at getting angry as a selfish choice, but it very much so is. There is nothing in getting angry at somebody that is profitable. What profit is there to get angry at someone? There is none. You can't name me one good prophet. It might feel good. You might be able to let those emotions out on the flesh side of things. Just let it all come on out. But it doesn't make it good. <laughs> There's just too much, too much going on in the world today that shows that people have, are too attached to themselves. He mentions prayer and fasting under under the same sorts of things. He says, don't sound the trumpet before yourselves when you go pray. Sit on the corner and speak loud words. Don't do that. Well, why were they doing that? To get the attention so that people would see them. Oh, look how pious they are. Look how holy they are. And he said, you've got your reward. I hope you weren't expecting anything from God because you're not going to get it. You've got your reward. Whatever whatever small petting your soul received or your emotions received, that's it. That's all you got. Congratulations, you're a winner. But God's not going to bless that stuff, and that's why Jesus warned. So he said, "Don't don't do it out in the open. Why? Because then you open yourself up to that temptation. Because you notice. I mean, we all when we, even when you don't do it on purpose, you know, you pray a good prayer and somebody. Somebody comes up to you after service, oh, glory to God, sister, or brother, that was amazing. You blessed me so much. Your flesh loves that stuff. No matter how hard you try to put it down, it still loves it. It eats it up, man. It goes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But then you as a spirit, man, you have to step up and say, no, 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 shut up. That's not why we did what we did. That's why this is a constant process, because your flesh never stops enjoying attention. It never stops enjoying accolades and praises. It never does. Why? Because it's proud. It's haughty. It loves itself. That's why we have a job to keep it down. We can't let it take control and do whatever it wants to do. That's what, that's what these guys had a problem with. They got in these positions of power and got to wear the nice robes and do all the nice things. And then they got addicted to it. And they didn't, they didn't stop and say, this is a problem that I need to fix. I can't be like this and still be serving God appropriately at the same time. I can't do that because I'm getting too wrapped up in me. I'm going to jump ahead just a second, but it says, down in Matthew, go down to verse 24 in Matthew chapter 6. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. But the principle is, you can't serve God And anything else and at the very base level the love of money is a love of self because why do you love money because you love what money does for you for me I love money because money money is what the Word of God says it becomes a strong tower it becomes the the money of the rich man is his defense he looks at it as this is this money is my protection well what's the what's the main point there me I'm worried about me so I need that money to protect me Well, what is that selfish selfish he's wrapped up they're wrapped up in themselves so you can't serve God in anything else because the moment you look to something else you've you've just lifted yourself up above God because whatever that thing you're after is for selfish reasons I mean you can you can twist and turn in the wind however you want but ultimately if you're looking towards any, to anything other than God, it's for selfish reasons. Well, I just love my family so much. I love my family too, but not more than God. Because at the end of the day, God can do way more for my family than I can. So me serving him sets them up in a much better fashion than I ever could. But most people don't look at it that way. They raise their family up above God. Well, what is that? Selfish. Well, I lo- it's my family. Yeah, but you don't love your family because you love your f- You love what your family is to you. The connection that you have with your family. Because what's the thought? I couldn't, I couldn't live without my family. What is that? Selfish. But the, these are the types of things we have to look at. Because the devil will use anything he can to make sure that your work for the kingdom isn't effective. That he can gain a foothold. If he can use your family, he'll use your family. Yep. He, he's not picky about how he gets an advantage. He just wants an advantage. Yeah. That's why you see lots of, lots of preachers in the body... When they get revelation, not lots, there are, I mean, there's cases. You can, you can find them all over the place, not necessarily lots, but where they get a, a specific revelation from God. And then all of a sudden, you look back on them six months later, they're, they're out there, like way out in left field somewhere. Well, what happened? They thought they were special. They thought they were special, and then they started making up all this kind of stuff because they got addicted to that feeling of, oh, I've got something I've got something. No, 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 no. Careful. You just put on the fancy robe and hopped up on the street corner and played the trumpet. Careful. But this is what we have to live lives as a believer. This is what it's all about. Because when we start living for God, God is going to work through us. In By necessity, people are going to give attention to us one way or another. So I've got to gird myself and prepare myself that that's coming, and that's not something I can I can hold on to. I can't get attached to that attention to that to that because when when God like if God uses me to give Debbie five thousand dollars, she is by necessity going to look upon me kindly. I just gave her five thousand dollars. If somebody gave you five thousand dollars, wouldn't you be? Just a little appreciative? I sure would be. I'd have a few nice things to say about that person. I'd probably want to do a few nice things for that person. It it does not take your flesh and your soul long to get a taste for that. And then all of a sudden, why are you doing good things? Because you want that person you're doing good things for to praise you. You want, you want those nice words. Yes, talk beautiful to me. I'm being nice to you. Talk nice to me. No, no. That can't be the motivation. What did Jesus say? You've got your reward. You're not getting any credit for that. Not to mention, God, God's grace is an amazing thing. And He can use that. I mean, He's used, He uses unsafe people to touch i mean he'll he'll use the tools at his disposal to get his work done but don't you dare expect with when we do things with wrong motives that we're going to get anything back from god that he's going to honor us in any way and that again that can't the seeking the honor of god can't be the motivation but it's a very good byproduct of seeking after god and doing what he wants you to do he takes care of you that's what, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6, that the whole reason to serve God is that you don't have to worry about all that stuff. When you, you devote yourself to him, he devotes himself to you. He makes sure you get taken care of because he knows that you're out there doing the work that he wants you to do. Go to We're going to come back to Matthew chapter 6, but go to 2 Timothy 2 verse 4. Because Paul, Paul talks a lot about motivations. They're, they're actually a very common theme throughout the whole the whole Bible. It's to, be, to be careful why we're doing the things that we're doing. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Put that up in the Passion Translation, please. But he he doesn't get involved in the things of daily life that he doesn't get involved in the common things it says for every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him jesus is the one who chose us he called us he called us so we are to live to fully satisfy him that's what our motivation should be i want to fully satisfy him in everything that i do and to do that, we have to divorce ourselves from the distractions of this world. Well, what are the distractions? All of the things we've been talking about are the distractions. Because it's very, that's, that's the devil's game, is distract. Flashy, flashy sights and loud sounds. That's what he wants, to get to pull us off. He doesn't want us to fully satisfy God. Because when we do that, we're operating in probably near full capacity for the kingdom. Which means he's losing ground. He's losing, we are stealing souls out of the kingdom of darkness one way or the other. When we are operating fully for God. Period. That, that, That just is, that is what God's interested in. And when we fully operate by him, one way or another, what we are doing is damaging the kingdom of darkness. And the devil does not like that. So he continues to use whatever he can to get people to stop. Stop. So we have to have vigilance in examining the things that we're doing. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing this? Did God tell me to do this? And if he did, am I doing it the way he told me to do it? Because that's part of the satisfying Because when you're in, when you're a soldier, which is what Paul's talking about here, when you're a soldier, the army doesn't just whoever you work for as a soldier doesn't just tell you, hey, I want you to go do this thing. They give you very detailed instructions on how to do that thing. You go here at this time, then you go over here at this time, then you do this at this time, and then you go there and do this final thing. That's what the military does. Very few levels of the military do they just get carte blanche to do, hey, this is the mission, do, just get it done. There are very few people in the military that get that kind of, and the same for the kingdom of God. There are probably people in the kingdom of God that God will tell them what to do and he leaves it up to them. Why? Because he knows the first thing that person is going to do is go to him and go, how do you want me to do it? So he doesn't have to tell them how to do it because he knows they're going to come to him to ask. But that's training, that's development, that's time spent understanding that, hey, this I'm not gonna go and do whatever I think needs to be done because that's not how you satisfy someone. If you work for a boss, you don't just, most of the time they have a specific way that they want something done. And you get that information and you do it, the, if you wanna please them, you do it the way they want it done. Because otherwise, they're not happy. And if our goal is to please that person, then that's the way we do it. Well, same thing with God. If we want to please him, we need to do what he wants us to do, how he wants us to do it. Go to Colossians 3. You know what? Uh, I missed a verse. Where's my other verse at? No, go back to Matthew chapter 6. I think it's verse 25, actually. Go back to the New uh, King James, please. So we can't serve both God and something else. Because that something else ultimately is us. We've lifted ourselves up above him. Idolatry. That's what idolatry is. Is we've lifted ourselves up above God. And nobody, no believer you talk to would say that that's what they're doing, but that's what they're doing. That's why the self-examination is so important, because it takes you looking at yourself and going, hmm, that is what I'm doing, though. If I sit here and I really look at it, I have lifted myself up, because now I'm, I'm doing what I want rather than what God wants. Well, when you do that, whatever you're doing, you're lifting yourself up. And look, I'm not saying that you can't take a vacation because God didn't tell you to take a vacation. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's between you and God. But what I'm talking about is when you're, and I've done, I'm guilty of this. <laughs> Telling people, God told me to do thus and so. With just the barest understanding that God wanted me to head in that general direction. And I've established my own plan and just thrown God's name on it. I've done that plenty of times. Well, God told me to do this. No, he didn't. He didn't tell me to do that. He told me to do that general thing, and I made up the rest. I just said, this. this yeah, he wanted me to go over there, so obviously, obviously, he wants me to do X, Y, and Z. Didn't even bother to ask what he wanted me to do. I just, me being the brilliant brainiac that I am, oh, of course, this is what God would want me to do. How'd that go, Tim? Not real well. That did not go real well. It never does. Why? Because, again, God has a very specific way that he... And not because he's picky. Oh, he's, he's very OCD, that God. No, he's not. He has, he's very intentional with every step, and most of the time it's for our good. It's for our good. It's for our development that the steps take us through a growing process so that when we get to the final step, we're prepared for the final step. Because God knows if he just plopped the whole flan down in front of us, we just, we just kind of stare at it all dazed and confused and go, I don't understand any of that. Why? Because we haven't grown. We haven't gone through the journey. But that all requires us to be in control of ourselves. And to be in control of our motives and to understand that I I just can't do a thing to look holy. Oh, God told me to do this, so I'm doing this. Well, yeah, that sounds real nice when you tell it to somebody else until you get alone with yourself and you realize you don't know what you're doing. Because you didn't bother to ask. Me, I've done that lots of times. But the whole point is, is he wants us to be successful, guys. He wants us to succeed. And the way that we do that is by doing it his way. Because his way is the most efficient, the most prosperous for us, even though we we don't usually understand how. And it is the most effective for the kingdom. All three things in one. We can't come up with a better plan than that. Because he has has access to information we just just don't have. In understanding that we don't have. In verse 25, this is immediately after he told us that you can't serve both God and mammon. He says, therefore, therefore what? Because you can't serve God and mammon, don't worry about your life. What? What? (laughs) The two are connected. You can't serve God and mammon. Therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? What is he saying? Don't get wrapped up with things that don't matter. Oh, don't talk about my house like that. Don't talk about my car like that. They don't matter. They don't matter. There are lots of people that live... I mean, as Americans, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. Glory, thank God. Don't get me wrong. Not complaining. <laughs> I like the way that I live. I like the amount of wealth that I have. I like all of the stuff I have access to because I live here. Thank you, Jesus. But if it all stopped tomorrow... Does that change anything really? Now, a lot of people say, oh, yes, absolutely. But in the long run as believers, no, it really doesn't. Our mission is still the same. Our reason is still the same. Everything we're supposed to be going after is still the same. And we still have access, if you've got a printed Bible, hint, hint, you've still got access to the Word of God. People love these electronic devices, and again, I do too. I'm spoiled, I'm a techie. I still have like 10 printed Bibles in my house. Why? Because what if my device doesn't work? I'm not taking the chance that I lost my access to the Word of God because I didn't have the foresight to have a physical copy. (laughs) That's just a little, you know, that's a, there you go, you can have that. Jesus said something. He said, greater love has no man than this that he lay his life down for his friends. Why? Because it's the ultimate selfless act. It's the ultimate act of I don't care about me. It's not that you don't care about you, but you know what I'm saying. It's the ultimate I'm not selfish act. That I, I would stop so that they can continue. Paul said something similar. He said to the Corinthians, he said, Gladly I will spend and be spent for you. I will spend and be spent for you. Well, selfish people don't do that. But, on the other side, somebody who's not in total control of their motivations doesn't do that either. Somebody who can't control their flesh and their emotions isn't glad to be spent. Because they're worried about me. What about me? What about you? You'll be fine. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6.25. What about you? You'll be okay. Don't worry about you. Because when we worry about the, 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 the connection people miss on that is when you worry about you, you are at that same moment Doubting God's ability to take care of you. You are thumbing your nose at God, worrying about yourself. And people don't like that because that's hard on your flesh. Well, guess what? We need to be hard on our flesh. When I worry that I'm going to lose everything and, and fail and this and that, you're thumbing your nose at God as a believer because that's saying you can't do anything about this. That sounds an awful lot like the Israelites. Right before they got sent out into the, the wilderness. Because what did they do? They sent spies into the into the promised land. Promised land. That's It's in the name. Promised land. As in the land that was promised. As in he told you all about it already. Why are you sending people in there to look at it? You already know what's in there. But not if you don't trust God. Not if you thumb your note, which which is no surprise. I mean, if you read what they did on their trip from Egypt to the Jordan, it's not a surprise that they thought like that. Because every single time any kind of problem came up, they're like, we're all going to die. It's like, what is your problem? But we have the same problem. And we're told clearly in the Word of God that that Israel is there as an example to avoid, (laughs) at least in that one reference point. Don't be like them. Which, how do we do that? Self examination. Got to look at myself. Am I, do I trust God as much as I say that I do? And, oh, yes, I trust God completely. Until that bill comes in and you go, I can't pay this. Well, what is that? Just thumbed your nose at God. (laughs) Toughen up, right? We have to look at ourselves and take control. Take the reins of our own life away from our flesh and away from our emotions. So that we can look at these things and understand that God God can handle it if we let Him. If we let Him, He'll guide us and get us out of any situation and circumstance. Any, doesn't matter, does not matter. God wants us to be successful. But to do so, we have to put him first. We've got to lift him up when it comes to our decision making, when it comes to what we're doing. And to do that, we have to sit down and be quiet with ourselves. We've got to look and make sure that we don't have any of these things that Jesus discussed here. We don't have any of those habits where I do this thing because it makes me feel good. I do this thing because I'm looking for some kind of positive message from somebody that sees me do it. That, that you know, it, it, it comforts my soul. It, it, it builds a nest egg. I mean, people have all kinds of reasons. I've, I've heard people, you know, I'm, I'm giving to dis- establish a nest egg for retirement. That's not a motivation for giving. That's not, No. God is not your stock market. That's not, no. He's not your personal finance person. He's not. Now, if you listen and follow his leading, you'll be fine. You won't have to worry about retirement. Not for the reasons you probably think, but you won't have to worry about retirement. But people get wrapped up in that. Well, I, I have to do this thing. I have to do this thing to prepare for the future. What preparation for the future do you need to make outside of God? There was an example we have in the Bible and I'm not I'm not equating this to retirement cuz you you know follow the direction of God when it comes to that stuff, you know? God is my retirement plan. I mean, I don't I don't I don't know see the part, the <laughs> and I always look at this People are people look at the systems that we have in place as unfollow, unfailing, that they don't fail, unfallible, and they're not. That's, that's, that's a silly notion. That, oh, I, I'm going to invest in this and it's going to be there when I grow old. Have you seen, have you looked around? I, I would never trust anything other than God in that regard. But it, that's between you and him but the whole point is is we do you is that thing your security do you look to it as a security if so what is it it's your strong tower and who's supposed to be our strong tower not my retirement fund not my 401k not my investments not my house god is supposed to be the one i'm looking to in that regard and he has a he's way better at that stuff than any financial person you're going to find he can make you more money overnight than you could make on purpose your whole life if you listen to him and the listening the listening part people think oh god's just going to give me the lotto numbers not likely no. <laughs> not likely why because most people can't handle that i think it's like i think it's like Somebody said that I heard the stats the other day. It's like 30, 30, some percent of people that win the lottery are bankrupt within like five years, which is my, that just, my brain can't even handle that. I'm like, how is that even possible? Why? Because it doesn't, the money doesn't change you. It just gets added to the you that's already there. Well, the whole point that God takes on is the development of you so that when you do have access to those things, you know how to use them yeah. and know how not to destroy yourself with them. Hmm. Everything we're doing should be done with an eye to please God. And when this is the goal, I mean, a lot of people look to, oh, i got to make sure people people are happy with me. You don't have to worry about that goal. If you're doing with what God wants you to do, the right people are going to be happy with you. That's all you need to worry about. That's all you need to be concerned with. Is that when I do what, if I'm concerned with pleasing God, the right people that matter are going to be pleased with me. There will always be, always, 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 all capital letters be people that hate you. You don't even have to do anything wrong, and they're still going to hate you. So, there's no point in trying to please them. There's just no point. Especially not this day and age. You could say the wrong pronoun, and oh, that's it. Yeah. They'll hate you for the rest of your life. Because it's violence. And I'm not going to get on that soapbox. <laughs> <clears throat> Motives and heart condition are something that are with us our entire life. Right. And it never stops being something we have to examine always. Always we have to stay on top of it. Because like I said, it takes, it takes two minutes for your flesh to gravitate towards something. One comment, one nice word, one this, one that. And it goes, mmm, that was good. And just like a drug, it's, it's now hooked. And it wants more. And if we don't have a tight grip on it, then, it, then we go looking for that stuff. And then we are the examples in Matthew chapter 6. And that's, if we want, if we really want to be pleasing to God and following his will and being effective for him and the kingdom, we cannot be like that. We can't. Because we will, we will fall. And soon the the words that we were addicted to will go away to be replaced with scorn and hate and all the rest of that fun stuff. So I'd rather just please God. Amen. This way, this way, i the one that I need to be concerned with is pleased with me, and I don't need to worry about anybody else. Because you can not like me all you want. That does not hurt my feelings. i People have told me that I don't like you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And? I mean, what a, is that all you had to say? Because that's fine. You don't have to like me. I'm not here for you to like me. I don't... People just don't know what to do with me. They, they talk to me all mean, and I'm like, and? But anyway, that's part of examining yourself and making sure your emotions aren't on your sleeve, both to be hurt and also that it's, you're letting those things lead you. We can't do that. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here to help us in this, Father God, that he, we can go to your Holy Spirit and he will lead us and show us the adjustments, show us the changes, show us the course corrections that we need to make, Father, the areas that we need to be careful in when it comes to motivations, when it comes to pleasing you, Father, in our desire to do so. We thank you, for your grace and your mercy on us in this and your patience with us, Father, as we we learn and find our way and come to understand what it is you want us to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Father, we come to you this morning with our giving because your word does say to come to you with an open heart and a glad heart and give unto you the things that you deserve, the things that we are happy to give because you are a good, good Father, Father. And we love you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need an envelope, they're on the seat back in front of you. If you joined us on live stream, thank you for being here with us this morning. Um, You can go to the the website at newlifefamilyworship.net and use the giving link, and uh, they will send you a receipt there. And please always reach out to us if you have prayer requests or praise reports or anything else. We just love to hear from you all out there, so you can reach us through email on the website or on on our social media pages. We thank you for it, and we'll see you in a little bit.